to Vilnius. I'm the pastor, Matthew Steinfeld. And I want to welcome, welcome you on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost, the word Pentecost, comes from the Greek word Pentecoste, which means the 50th, or in other words, the 50th day after Easter. It's interesting because Easter took place on the week of the Passover, and the Pentecost, or the celebration of the Spirit coming down on the church, coincides with the celebration of the Feast of Weeks, which is a Jewish holiday that's celebrating the harvest. In other words, God's blessing. It's a recognition of God's blessing. So as we begin our service today and throughout, please keep in mind the ways God's blessed us as believers and as us as individuals. On the insert, we'll see that the first hymn um, is, is, it says 22, but it's actually 113. Okay, so keep that in mind as we sing our first hymn.
Christ, let us draw near to God our Father with a true heart to confess our sins and ask him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done, by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore shall our hearts dance for joy, and in our song will we praise our God. Responsive reading of Psalm 104. Join me with the bolded text. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. 
There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things, both large and small. All creatures look to you to give them their food in the proper time. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. And our first reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show how wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 11. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not, so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them, from the, scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. Our Gospel reading today is from Matthew chapter 11, verses 3 through 10 and 16 through 30. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? 
Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. So what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. At that time, Jesus said, I will praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. expectations. If you've read the book of Acts and uh, the Gospels, you would know that the disciples were expecting something very different from Jesus. They ask him, actually, at the beginning of Acts, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They expected that their enemies, the Romans, would be Overthrown, that somehow this Messiah would bring power and authority and political rule and, and peace. Very much different expectations than what's given. But we see that Jesus gives them the Spirit of God, the actual power of Himself, not just to give them strength, but to promise them that what they expect, the, the culmination of all things, the, the return of God, 
the justice of God, the, the salvation of God would come. And this was the down payment, you could say. The passage in the insert, Matthew 11, is a similar story as we find in the story of uh, the coming of the Spirit in chapter 2 of Acts. It has to deal with the expectations, recognition, and exclusivity. Expectations of what God is going to do for the believer. And sometimes for us even, that seems different than what we expect. What we expect from God is different than what happens. Recognition. Do we recognize what God's doing when it is different than what we expect? And then the rest of this passage that speaks to the exclusivity of Jesus. John starts with a question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? The reason he sends his messengers is because he's in prison. I think John is a prophet. He's expecting Jesus to bring restoration. Why is John in prison? Because of a political leader that he spoke against. Put him there. In the back of his mind, he's thinking of Isaiah 45 that says that the prisoner will be released. The, the sick person will be healed. The poor will be rich. The blessings of God, his expectations. So he sends, he says, Jesus, what you're doing doesn't seem to match what I am expecting. What's Jesus say? Am I the one to, that you're expecting or am I someone else? Jesus says, go back and report to John tells the messengers that John sent from prison to go back to tell him the blind receive sight, the lame walk. And he lists off several attributes that the Jews are expecting. And he says something interesting in verse 6. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, he's saying blessed is the person who believes in me despite their expectations not being met. Do you recognize who I am? Jesus is saying, blessed is the man or woman who does not fall away on account of me. Next, Jesus begins to speak to the crowd as the messengers of John go back to the prison to tell him what he said. He asks them a question about their expectations. The crowd clearly saw John's messengers or his disciples come to Jesus, and so Jesus teaches using them as an example. He says in verse 7, what did you go out to the desert to see? Now he's talking to the crowds who had previously gone out to John to be baptized because they recognized John as a prophet. So Jesus says, why did you go there? Did you go out there to see a reed swayed by the sea? Did you go out to see someone dressed in nice clothes, a king? No, you didn't go out there to find a king. You didn't go out there to find a political leader or uh, a powerful person of the world. You went out there to, to find a prophet. A prophet, yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. He's saying you recognized John for who he was. And he's subtly saying that 
yet you don't recognize me for who I am. He says that John, the least of the kingdom, is greater than John, and yet John is the greatest. In their mind, the disciples are expecting this powerful political military superman that's going to save them. And yet he has a different approach. He says in verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Forceful men lay hold of it. I think the NIV gets this translation wrong. Because it talks about it talks about the kingdom being taken by force, not forcefully advancing. And forceful men obtain it, grab it. They seek, like the disciples, they seek it through power. They seek it through force. We're going to get what's good for us, what's coming for us, that God promised us because it's about us. But he says in verse 14, but if you're willing to accept it, the message of John if you're willing to accept it, if you're willing to recognize the truth of the message of what Jesus is saying, and John as his prophet. So what's the problem? The problem is one of expectation, but it's also of recognition. Jesus gives two examples uh, in verse 16, starting in verse 16, going to 19. He gives an example of children playing musical instruments, and he gives an example of table fellowship. These children are out in the street. They're playing sad songs. They're playing joyful songs. They'll play whatever you want them to play for money. But they say that no one, they played the nice, upbeat song, and no one danced. Then they played a sad song, and no one cried. In other words, regardless of what they did, no one was happy. The expectations weren't met. They didn't recognize the songs for what they were meant to do. In the same way, we have John, this prophet, who's a symbol of austerity. He, he eats wild locusts. He has long hair. He wears camel hair. He's, he's an ascetic. He's not drinking. He is a Nazarite. And yet people are against him or don't recognize him for who he is as a messenger of God. Jesus, on the other hand, is in the city. He's a rabbi. He's a little bit more liberal. He hangs out with sinners and tax collectors and he drinks. And they said, well, Jesus is too liberal. John's way too conservative. What's the problem? The problem is that they don't recognize God's messenger. Question I have for you today is what are your expectations of God? What do you hope to accomplish from what do you hope God accomplishes in your life based on what you know about Him? And if what God is doing in your life is different, how do you recognize it? So Jesus goes on in His sermon, verse 20. And it says in verse 20 that Jesus begins to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Jesus was speaking to his own people. Chorazin, Bethsaida, these are, these are towns, villages in Galilee where Jesus is from. They don't recognize him 
They expect someone different. But who does recognize him? He says, if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented. Even Sodom and Gomorrah, 23, and you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? In other words, will you be accepted into God's presence in heaven, this idea of God's presence? No, you will go down to the depths. Capernaum, also a local place. Why would Sodom and Gomorrah respond positively to Jesus and not Galilee, not his hometown, not the Pharisees? You see, the expectations of the Jews blocked them from seeing the truth about who Jesus, about who Jesus was. Something that didn't necessarily get into the way of the Gentiles who wouldn't have expected anything from God. So I ask you again, as you sit in this church, being people that have come here on your own, you've decided to come here. Perhaps you're a Christian, perhaps you're a seeker, perhaps you're someone who's interested in God, obviously. What are your expectations of God in your life? And if they're different than what God's doing, are you willing to recognize what that is? Jesus speaks publicly to God. He gives a prayer. He closes his sermon out with, with this prayer to God, which gives us the mind of Jesus. It gives us his perspective because he's speaking to the Father publicly. And he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. In other words, knowing God and knowing what is to be expected from him and recognizing what he's doing is not based on logic and it's not based on earthly wisdom. It's based on humility. It's based on love. It's based on grace. It's not based on force. It's not something that you take and squeeze with your hand. It's not you pushing through the line to enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's not, what it's, it's not what's expected. The Jews fully disagree with this. They expect Jesus to take over, right? He says, all these things have been committed to me by my Father. Verse 27. No one knows the Son except from the Father. No one knows the Father except for the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. There's another element here that Jesus is introducing. And that's the element, does God know you? And I think it's important that Passages like this are mixed with the story of the Spirit because the Spirit is so essential for you to know who God is. Jesus is seeking lost people, and he says that those who see who he is are people that God has reached out and touched. Those who have ears to hear, hear those who are willing to recognize who Jesus is. 
those who align their expectations of what they know about God to the reality of who God is. So he says, he says it's quite exclusive. The Jews sure thought it was. They thought it was just for them. And yet all these Gentiles are coming to Jesus and he's accepting them. The invitation is still open. Verse 28, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Ironically, he says, take my yoke upon you. A yoke would be something that would be put on a team of oxen to constrain them from veering left or right, to keep going in the task at hand. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke... In other words, his burden, his burden is easy. And he repeats this in another way. His burden is light. It's ironic that he says it's easy because it seems quite difficult. Because it goes contrary to people's expectations. Most people get it wrong. That means it's against common sense. To trust in Jesus especially in the modern world, it seems almost too fantastical. But we see that there's great reward. We see that it's what God is doing is often against what appears to be natural, what appears to be what we would have expected or have chosen to happen. And that's exactly why we need it. Because we often make mistakes this week this coming week, we'll, we will do things that we wouldn't agree with morally, perhaps. That's why we need this breaking in of God into our lives to show us and to teach us, to teach us humility and gentleness, to teach us grace and love, because we're not naturally prone to those things. So the kingdom is breaking in not in the military powerful way that the Jews expected in the first century, but into our lives to make the difference. And the difference is the Spirit of God. Last week we talked about the temple being rebuilt and all the miraculous things that had to happen for that to be rebuilt through Cyrus, the, the king of Persia. But really what the temple represents is the Spirit of God and the presence of God for worship. And that temple is now not stones in Israel, but our souls, the presence of God, the Spirit in us, the day of Pentecost is when it began. So I challenge you, figure out what your expectations are. We all have different expectations, hopes and dreams that God might fulfill in us. And God may bless those things, and you may be right on track. But if God is doing something else, I encourage you to stop this week, maybe even today, try to recognize what that is. But also, we can talk about plans and our expectations, but it has to be through the lens of who Jesus is. If you know God, you'll know Jesus. 
And if you want to know God, you have to know Jesus. It says it, he says it right here, that he has been given this task. We'll take a few minutes to uh, reflect, time of silence for reflection and prayer, and then uh, we'll read the Apostles' Creed. Please read with me. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Catholic Church, meeting you saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always and also with you. As always, there's tea and coffee after the service. Uh, your guest, if you're a regular attendee, all are welcome. Um, so after the, la after the benediction, we'll, we'll go out to the left here and, and, and follow the crowd. You're more than welcome to come. Will you bow with me? Father, as we think about what you've done through Jesus Christ, the extension of grace, the choice to move in the world through broken people, through the Spirit, and not through military might or political power. We ask that you would forgive us. We ask that we often neglect the things that we should do, and we often seek and pursue the things that we shouldn't do for ourselves. I pray that as we reflect on your text, on your spirit, that we would be moved to confession. And that we wouldn't just stop there, but that we would reflect on your compassion for us, your grace through Christ, your death and your resurrection. And that would lead us to compassion in, in a world that's desperate for love and hope and peace. He asks all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Let's say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. The kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. receive the Lord's benediction. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you.